UFP, the United Federation of Podcasts. Franchise Fatigue, the little podcast on the United Federation of Podcast Network, where your hosts take a look at movies, sequels, and remakes, and then we discuss them for you. My name is Brandon Shea-Mutella, and joining me, as always, is 30-year-old Pretty Blue Flower, also known as Zach Moore, but he's almost 40. Konnichiwa, Brandon. Wooshy-wooshy. Do do those both mean hello and... Japanese, I guess. I don't, know. I, I, I don't know. I think so. I think what I think Kanichiwa is probably like formal, and then like Mushi Mushi is like, "Hey, what's up?" More appropriate for me then, of course. So, yes. Brandon, we're talking about Sanjuro, aka yes, Yojimbo Two First Blood. So, <laughs> I like that actually. Yojimbo Two First Blood Sanjuro. No, actually, no. It would be it would be Sanjuro colon. Yojimbo Part 2 First Blood or something. I, I don't know. I'm trying. Rambo, everybody. That's what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I anyway. got it. I get it. There's definitely some First Blood in this movie. Indeed. Not as much as last time, though. We can talk about that. But this is the... I mean, you've seen this one before, right? Oh, many times, yeah. Okay. I've never seen this one before. So all these films in this in this entire franchise are new to me. So as always, it's a fun experience to to check out these because like with a franchise like the Terminator, I'm so intimately familiar with this. It's 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 brand new because if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it, it's new to you, and these are all new to me. So any other first thoughts then before we jump into the trivia? Uh, for me, well, this would be like my millionth thoughts, but uh, I'll I mean. I like this movie a lot, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to hearing your reactions. We, we don't have Tom. You guys might have noticed that we don't have Tom with us today. Uh, we had a little bit of a, a scheduling snafu, and so we had to postpone uh, the re- recording of this, but Tom did send us his thoughts, and so we will edit those in near the end of the episode because, um, uh, you know, he did watch it, and he did want to tell us what he thought of the, the movie. So uh, we will have the continuing thread of our... Our foreign correspondent, <laughs> our brother from another mother. Yes, and the the scheduling stuff it was completely my fault. I take full responsibility. So <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. I was just going to leave it at that. Brand, so. Brandon even made a, made a joke about it in the last podcast, and it, we just cut it out. But yes, it was <laughs> it was completely my fault that because uh, Tom and Brandon were ready to go, and I was like, oh. So I take full responsibility. So I I, I will I will. <sighs> Uh, commit uh, Harabe seppuku. Or, seppuku. Seppuku. <laughs> it's yeah. Harabe is the villain's name, I think. And it's again the Japanese names, terms. You know, it makes it a little confusing. But I, I will fall on my own sword here on that one and die an honorable suicide and move on well, from it's that. Just, it's just a podcast. It's just a podcast. You don't have to. It's all good, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> all right. Well, getting into the the trivia for Sanjuro. This movie was originally going to be an adaptation of a Yamamoto novel called Peaceful Days, Shogoro Yamamoto, to be more precise. And it was going to be made before Yojimbo, and it was about a group of samurai who were helped out by two ronin, 
but they're inadequate fighters, and they all have to use uh, their wits to trick two opposing sides into killing each other off. So it's actually similar to Yojimbo as well. Uh, the antagonists were changed to a government body, and uh, tricking the two sides, that element was moved over for use in Yojimbo. And then after Yojimbo was a success, Toho, the production studio of these films, requested that Akira Kurosawa make a sequel. Uh, so he changed uh, the characters of the two-week ronin of the original story that this is based off to uh, Sanjiro. Well, Yojimbo. <laughs> well, no, Yojimbo's the bodyguard, so Sanjiro was his name. It's like it's part of his name, right? Sanjiro so. was his name, O-E-I-E-I-O. Anyway, <laughs> so they take that. It's kind of like Die Hard, and one day we'll do Die Hard on here, where there's these scripts... And it's like, this could be a diehard movie, and they put John McClane in it. That's basically what happened to this just in Japan in the 60s, right? Uh, so could this be a diehard movie? I've never seen any of the diehard movies, so I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hot take here, right? Moment of truth. I haven't either. <laughs> I, I know them very well. <laughs> I, I, it's like, it's like my, one of my big movie shames. It's like I've never seen Die Hard. But I know it so well through the pop culture and all that. But, no, I mean, I can quote all the one-liners from the, welcome to the party, pal, and, <laughs> you know, all that stuff from the first movie. But mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen either. So that, that'll be – we need to get a Die Hard expert on here when we do those because we are both horribly in, inaccurate, inequipped – and ill-prepared yes. to discuss that. Uh, yes. But anyway, point being, this was a story that was going to be a movie, and then Yojimbo happened first, and they took some elements, and it kind of became something new uh, and was reimagined into a sequel to Yojimbo, this time titled Sanjuro. They didn't do, you know, sequels, they didn't do, like, two back then. You know, it was like, Yojimbo no. 2. So it was a logical title, I think, to kind of carry on from the first film. Now, wasn't, okay, wasn't The Godfather... The first movie to have like a part two. This is off topic here. I I think so. I know I know that Jaws two was the first movie to have like the Arabic number two, <laughs> you know, not was the it? not the Roman numerals. Uh, okay. I mean, obviously there have been many sequels, you know, Son of Kong and et cetera, right. et cetera. But uh yeah you're right i i don't know again our, our we are such great movie scholars here guys but yeah. I, but yeah it, it's thinking back over cinema although there were franchises not in the way we think of them today there were sequels but the godfather part two really might have been the only one with literally that in the title yeah. uh, because marketing became an important thing you know and to go on a complete side tangent here this kind of reminds me you, you think about because this is what we're all about here uh you think about branding and franchises, but back then sequels were seen as like lazy, you know. So they tried to like mix it up. Like you know, Toho Studios made these films. I'm a big Godzilla aficionado, and so uh, I'll use an example here: Godzilla, King of the Monsters in America was Gojira in Japan, and then in Japan they made a sequel the next year called uh, Godzilla Raids Again or Godzilla's Counterattack, also with Gojira in the name. But when it came over here to America, they're like, "Oh, Godzilla died. He's old news. We need to change it up." So they literally changed the name of the movie to Gigantus the Fire Monster. And when they dubbed over the movie, they took out the, the, the name Godzilla and they called him Gigantus the whole time. And because Weird. because sequels are like, oh, no, 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 sequels are bad. People don't want to see those. So anyway, it's interesting how that's changed. Uh, also, you know, in this film, to, to wrap back around, there are a lot of actors who are in the Godzilla films. Uh, and like literally half of the samurai here. <laughs> 
are, are people are, are are very prominent roles in the Godzilla films. Uh, the one I, I noticed the most was Akahito Hirata. Uh, he played Doctor Sarazawa in Godzilla. He's the scientist with the eye patch. Uh, if people have seen the poster of Godzilla or aren't familiar with the franchise, but if you've seen the movies, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and then there's some other actors, Akira Kubo and. Uh, Takashi Shimura, like these guys are there, and some of them are actually in the first. Uh, some of these actually were in Yojimbo, and there's a lot of actually characters and actors. Well, I should say there are a lot of actors who are in Yojimbo who are in this, but as different characters uh, as well, which I thought was interesting. Again, they didn't think about that back then about recasting characters, uh, uh, recasting actors as new characters in in a franchise. I think one of the most obvious ones, or not obvious, but like the the, the biggest one, I would say, is if you remember the the guy with the gun. From the from the first film, uh, Tatsuya. The guy with the gun. <laughs> the guy with the gun, Tatsuya Nakadai, and I might be pronouncing it wrong. I apologize, uh, but he was the character with the gun in Yojimbo. He is now the other you know, Ronin in this film. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Sanjiro's kind of counterpart on the other side, uh, the main villain of this film. Uh, he has a different haircut, which is fun. what do you think of these haircuts, by the way, on all these samurai? <laughs> Um, I don't know. They seem like samurai haircuts to me. I mean, I'm sure they're you know period accurate, but it's like they all look very silly <laughs> to me. And in my 21st century since Western sensibilities, right? Yeah. Uh, but and I do wonder how they did. I don't have the trivia on that, but I do wonder. Okay, how so they I'm did not it. thinking of this off the top of my head here. So what is it about the haircuts? Because I've seen so many samurai that I'm just I'm not even placing it. Is well, it the, the, the shaved top. It's the completely shaved top of their head, and I wonder like did these actors all do that, or do they wear some kind of yeah. bald cap? You know, I I think back in the 60s it was a lot more efficient to just okay. We're gonna just shave the top of your head for a few weeks instead of what like if they did if they made a movie today with like Hollywood actors like well I'm not gonna shave my head and they make all these they spend hours getting prosthetics on their head and stuff like yeah. that but as far as I can tell they really shave their shave their heads. no they did that and that's a common thing that you see in samurai films is the top shaved I don't know all the history of it the one thing that I do know is like the top knot that they have in the back there mm-hmm. is like a very important thing for samurai and in Seven Samurai. Um, the ma- I I'm I'm sorry I don't know these guys actors name I apologize but the guy that's in Godzilla, um, mm-hmm. he is in Seven Samurai and in order to help save a baby he actually completely shaves his head like a Buddha and this is like some really shocking thing that a mm-hmm. samurai would self, uh, cut off his hair and cut off his top knot completely. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that top part is like very very common that samurai don't have that. Very good, very good. Uh, and speaking of samurai, Yojimbo. Which means bodyguard, not samurai. I, I see. I tried to do a segue, didn't work. But moving on, uh, the opening title music for this film, Sanjiro, is the same opening title uh, music for Yojimbo, the main theme. Now, I will say, I, I liked the opening credits of Yojimbo better because it was something. You know, you're following him down a road as opposed to white text on a black screen. And, and if I had one one critique of these amazing Criterion Blu-rays that I have of these films, is I wish the subtitles were in yellow instead of white because sometimes it's hard to read them when you're watching a black and white film and there's white subtitles on it you know sometimes it's hard to make out did you, did you have any trouble with that brandon or are you just cool with it maybe you're you got like cataracts or something and you like can't distinguish well again I don't know. to go back to godzilla i don't have that awesome criterion set yet but i do have some other godzilla dvds which are uh subtitled and for the black and white ones they have yellow subtitles and i was like oh that's a do great they? idea because i can read none it of now. the criterions are in yellow okay. they're all in white <laughs> Wonderful. So I don't, I'm used to it. So. I can't wait. Remember, uh, I have like 700 criterion, right? That's so. true. Very good. Uh, now, uh, speaking, you know, we, we were talking about uh, Sanjuro's name in this film, and uh, he he gave a different name in his first film, 
and he uh, he gives it. Uh, he he's the man with no name, right? So he has right. <laughs> uh, he he has a he has a name and Yojimbo, and he has, he uses the name Sanjuro carries over, but he changes his his uh, surname. Or I guess that's what it is. Uh, but he goes by Tsubaki Sanjuro, which means thirty year old. Camellia, which is a flower, which plays an integral part of the plot here. Uh, but it's the same exact beat where someone's like, what's your name anyway? Yes. And then he like looks around and he sees some plants and the camera zooms into the plants. <laughs> and that's what he tells the people. And I, li- it's, it, I like the reaction of the crowd. Like, You're very stiff. <laughs> Griffin. Griffin? <laughs> exactly. <Don't. laughs> But I like the reaction of the of the of the people around him. They're like, you're a you're a very strange man. So at least they picked up on that was that was very odd. Um, now the uh, the camellias that were used in the film they were all artificial, uh, and the leaves were real. Were taken from a Sakai plant, and every morning before shooting, the leaves were replaced to prevent them from looking old. So it's all it's all the m- movie making people. They didn't they weren't hacking away at real plants. They had already killed the plants. <laughs> So when you see them hacking away at the plants, it's not a crime against nature. That crime was committed off screen when they uh, did the set decoration. So movie uh, magic, movie magic. And then the scene where the the single blossom falls into the stream, it was a difficult effect uh, to pull off. Originally, uh, the crew was considering using piano wire, but they were afraid that the light reflecting onto the piano wire, the glint, would show up on camera. Uh, so a costume designer suggested uh, if you unravel a woman's stocking and use the nylon of that stocking due to its strength and invisibility it would get the job done and it worked uh so property master shoji jinbo said the happiness he felt at that moment was quote indescribable because they had solved a an issue with the uh, an unsurmountable issue with what they were trying to accomplish there with that special effect and i like they ha- that reminds me of the leaf effect in the first film where they were talking about throwing the knife and all that so it's yep. cool how these little tricks uh you know they're, they're not major special effects just little things and they're really effective in, in the final film yeah. Now, uh, when Sanjuro was about to kill, uh, when he when when he tricks everybody and, and he kills all uh, the big group of people, about a dozen of them, of Kikui's men, uh, he smacks three of the young samurai, uh, and the Toshiro Mifune smacked them for real on set, mm-hmm. and it, it surprised all the actors, and you can see it uh, when they get hit and they get knocked backwards. So that was that was not scripted, and uh, and finally the, the the explosion of blood. At the final, you know, I would call it a duel, but it's more of a, a standoff that immediately ends. We can talk about that. But uh, it was chocolate syrup mixed with carbonated water and put under 30 pounds of pressure to simulate that explosion of the blood. And, that, you know, that was very effective. Uh, for, for a film that had mm-hmm. been pretty much bloodless up till that point, it was, it was kind of shocking. I was like, oh, well, this one's not going to be like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> kind of came out of nowhere, you know. Uh, and, and for those of you keeping track at home, this is not our counter in this series, but uh, there's 27 deaths in this film, and all of them are by Sanjuro's hand. Yeah, I bet it. I wouldn't doubt it. So that's like that's the thing that I was telling you about where that's very much Kill Bill, mm. that death at the end of this movie, right? Yes, I, I had, very I much so. Now, tease a, that. A couple of last things then, Brandon. Uh, this was the, the highest grossing film from Toho Studios in 1962. And according to my notes here, this was remade as Subaki Sanjuro in 2007. So I don't know if we need to add another film <laughs> to our list or not. We keep we keep finding there's more remakes. We're like, we'll do Man with No Name. 
oh, they're based off Yojimbo. Oh, they made a Bruce Willis version of this. And now there's another one. So we can we can talk about that off microphone if we want to oh, add dear. it. But it's a two uh, it's a two thousand seven remake of this film. We'll do some research and we'll see. figure it out. We'll let so. you know. <laughs> see you in five weeks. Uh, so there you go. That is Sanjuro. And obviously being a foreign film, there's not as much trivia as I might have on other films. I keep I say that all the time now. Right, I well, that's pretty good trivia. But I, but I think yeah, I think you got a good flyover of some cool tidbits. I threw in some Godzilla facts as I'm prone to do when we talk about Japanese films. And there you have it. There's 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 Sanjiro. So let's just jump into it. I think this is a great film. I think it lived up to my high expectations from the first one. What about you? I love this movie, and you know, jumping right out of the gate, I actually think this is better than the first movie. Mm. And the reason why I like it so much. I don't normally like funny movies, but the comedy in this movie really, really works for me. The comedic timing is really well done. And it's kind of weird to have this comedy be a follow-up to the movie we just got because Yojimbo's pretty serious film, right? It's pretty dark. We got these, you know, it starts off with that hand. Hmm. We got this dreary town, this hopeless town. And here we don't have that sense of hopelessness. And I, I think it really plays well. And this is one of the really interesting things about this character and what can be done with it and why I would love to have seen more Sanjiro films, you know? So I don't know. That's what I love about it is the comedy. What do you think? Yeah, I think it works for this film because Sanjiro is a, uh, he's kind of a sacrilegious character. He's he's very unpretentious and he leads, he leads himself to comedy well because he, he, he creates a lot of unintentional comedy just with his attitude towards all the other characters. Yeah. So that translates better into if you kind of want to like, let's have a more comedic angle about certain things. Then like, you know, I don't, I, you, you try to think of today when like franchises take like crazy left turns and they become like yeah. parodies of them, themselves. And I'm like, would someone think that about this versus the first one? If it was in today's context, but I don't think so because it all seems very true to, to the character of Sanjuro. Like he's the same guy. You know, and he, yeah. he's talking the same way to everybody. And there's even like commentary about that. Like, you guys just don't understand. That's how he is <laughs> when he's praising you. It sounds like criticism. And uh, it's just uh, funny to have the other characters talk about him in that way. And I think that informs a lot of, of why the humor works because he, he's surrounded by a lot of silly characters. Uh, yeah. But but no one, see, there's no one like as comical as in the first film. Was, there was that one guy who was like, oh, hey, I like you, Sanjiro. Or, you know, remember that guy in the first one? Kind of a goofy guy, he was straight up like, you know, comic relief man. I don't. There was no yes. real character specifically like that in this one. I mean, you could maybe see um, the intendants. I forgot. I forgot everybody's title, but the, the guy, the magistrate, the guy they were trying to save his wife. The, there was the chamberlain and the superintendent. Yeah. Okay. I think it was the superintendent, or might have yeah. been the chamberlain, but the wife, the older woman, uh, she was kind of funny, uh, but at the same time, she had some great wisdom to share as well. So it all yeah. kind of balanced out. So there was no like character in here. I was like, oh, well, this is the Jar Jar Binks of this film. You know what I mean? Really? You would go there? It all connects to Star Wars, Brandon. <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, okay. So yes, I like that. Um, I, you mentioned the wife. And what I like about the wife as well is she's this naive character, right? Where you She's know, just a little slow. I, I don't know that I'd say that. She's just naive. <laughs> I've just got right? quoting Gojimbo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I, I like I would say that she's just she's just naive and and like my my favorite character in this aside from 
Sanjuro is that one guy that they capture oh, absolutely. and throw in the closet. Absolutely. That is that is great. That I love his whole little like if it's random, they're like, All right, we're not gonna kill you, you can come with us. And they keep him in the closet and they come back and he's like eating a meal and he's in a nice com- <laughs> you know. Yeah. And they're like, What right. are you doing out here? <laughs> it's like And he's like, I couldn't leave because the wife didn't think it would possible that I would escape, therefore I couldn't escape. And to me that says something about like the what what people feel about Japanese honor, right? Like mm-hmm. the honor system that they have and, and what they feel about honor. He's like, look, I can't take advantage of this woman's trust because right. she trusts that I'm not going to run away. So I can't run away. And then he, right? he goes that, back in the closet on a regular basis after he's done yes. talking to them. He's like, oh, I've got to go back to my cell. <laughs> and it's just really right. funny. But he also gives them advice. He mm-hmm. talks to them about things and they're like, why are you doing this? And he says, well, I've been listening to you guys. And everything you're saying contradicts everything that I've been told about you guys. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, there's there's a lesson there, too. Know your enemy and being indoctrinated from the other side is not healthy. And, you know, there, there's two sides yeah. to every story. Like, there's, there's a lot of... This whole movie has all these... You know, and that's part of both these films really have these little, like, universal truths. You know? I mean, even, even at the very first scene, they're, they're talking about... They went to this guy, they went, the, went to that guy, the intendant and the magistrate or whatever. I'm going to keep messing up these titles. I know you literally just told me what they were. But it's like, oh, this guy, he was, he, he was as I expected, he was honorable. He wants to help us. It's great. Like, yeah, well, the other guy, he's yeah. like, hey, watch out. You know, the worst ones are always the ones you least expect. You know, people aren't what they seem. And, and these, yeah. I mean, these are, I mean, yes, they seem very simple, but these are universal truths that people really should, you know, and can take to heart. Right. And it's interesting to have, Sanjuro listening in and giving them the advice by saying, look, like, I don't, I'm coming new into the situation. I don't know these people, mm-hmm. but I bet you this and I bet you this. And he's right. I'm right. <laughs> right. And I mean, again, that's the story that they're writing, mm-hmm. but it's also very interesting in that that's how he builds his trust with these characters, right? He gets them to hide in the floor, you know, and very, very Star Wars. Never thought I'd be smuggling myself in him. (laughs) Yes. Um, But then he's also able to bluff the bad guys when they come in there. He's like, look, you know, I'm having a nap and you're bugging me. Well, I I like, again, and I mentioned this in the first conversation we had, you know, Sanjuro, he's he's pretty, he's so clever and he's like an unstoppable force when it comes to sword fighting, but he's not perfect. He makes mistakes and other people mess mess stuff up for him and he has to be adaptable. Like, and that happened in the first film and, and, and it happened in this one. It'd be different yep. if like, if he was just, again, if he was just mowing down people, if he's just in God mode, he was, he was five steps ahead of everybody it would not be an interesting story. You know, it'd be like, right. Oh look, this guy just, he, he faces no obstacles. All right. Cause part of the, the, the drama is like, Oh, could he fail? You don't know. Like, cause in the first one he got captured and beat up and that took me by surprise. Cause he'd be on top yeah. of his game, the whole movie. And in this one, I think my favorite little, little like sequence of, uh Oh, is they, they concoct this whole story of like he's gonna go tell the bad army like hey I was asleep on the second level of this you know this gate and I overheard this and you guys all need to come out here and then they're everybody and so the, he goes off to do it and, and then the guy's like oh God, I, wait that that temple doesn't have a second gate and then you cut yep. back to San he's like hey so I was asleep on the second level <laughs> and then we cut back and I'm like oh no are they gonna catch him uh, and then the guys back at home are like well we didn't catch it at first either so maybe they won't <laughs> and I don't know I, I liked that that was like. Like it, nothing. He didn't get in trouble immediately, but they eventually figured it out. And I yeah. liked it. They were they, he's fallible, you know. I mean, he's unstoppable yeah. a lot, but he's also fallible. 
And that is what makes him such a cool character because you're right. It is, it would be unrealistic of like literally every single, you know, he had the, the perfect thing to say. He, he was five steps ahead. I mean, he, he's good enough as a fighter. We don't need him to be a complete like chess master as well when it comes to all that, you know? Yeah. And then when he was kidnapped at the end, like he's, he's tied up and he's like, well, you better put in the pink flowers <laughs> yeah. because the, the pink flowers mean no good, don't attack, and the white flowers mean attack, because mm-hmm. that was their signal at the end, was to drop these uh, these camille- camellia flowers into the water of the stream, right? Because, again, that's another thing, too. They're like, look, let's just hide in this building right next door, because nobody's going to think to look for us right underneath yeah. their noses. Right. Life lessons right? So from Sanjuro. Life lessons from Sanjuro. So... um. One of the things that I really love about this movie, beyond the characters and the plot, is the the set design and the sound design of this movie as well. Like, I love this constant sound of birds yeah. that we get in this movie. <laughs> I was going to comment on that, too. You, they really make you feel like you're outside. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just, I just love it. It's a small, subtle touch, mm-hmm. but it really adds something to the film. Every time I watch this... I, I, I make a comment of that to myself. I'm like, man, I just love the sound of these birds because it's it they, they draw your attention to it, but it's not out of place. Yeah, it's uh sometimes they, I think they may have used that sound effect one too many times, <laughs> you know, of the bird. Okay. That's my only criticism. Like like it's like the same one, you know. Uh but other than that, no, I, I agree. It added life to what would have otherwise been a lifeless environment. And, you know, it lets you know, are you in the courtyard? Are you inside? That kind of stuff. So, yes, the, the sound of design, I, I did notice that as well, even even though how the water was working with the stream. Yeah. Well, I mean, birds, they only have one chirp. <laughs> okay. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. Have you never gone camping and you just hear the same bird over and over? <laughs> like, fair, I don't know. That, what... That's a good point, you know. <laughs> it's... Yeah. <laughs> um. Now, um uh, the the other thing is the set design. Like so, mm-hmm. uh, one in particular is the first place. I don't know. I think it's the superintendent's place when they go there at the beginning, and they throw the rock to make him think that the fish jumped. Yeah, well, he he's smart. He's like, hey, are there are there fish in here. And they're like, yeah. He's like, okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how he finds so he out. Throws and, then, that. and then they come out like, oh, well, it was just a fish. So good yeah. cover story. But that whole set design, like that 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 little house and that little river, is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's some really, really great detail that they've put in there, not to mention the place next door, right? With the fence and how the water goes through, the little stream that goes through from the one property to the next. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like it's a, it's a beautiful looking film and I just, I love the sets and I love how it's filmed. You know, the, the widescreen photography in this really enhances it and I really like watching old black and white movies in a two, three, five to one aspect ratio, you know? Like it's it's mm-hmm. I don't know it's just it's, I find it really really beautiful to watch and this I just love the look of this movie. Yeah, and you know there's not a lot of giant scope. I mean I can't really think of one wide establishing shot in this whole movie, but yeah. it doesn't really detract from it because you know you're invested in the drama and the writing and the characters and also you know the set design and sound design is interesting enough that you understand what the location is without having to see some giant matte painting or something. You know, right. although I mean they could have thrown one or two of those in to be honest, but that's fine. <laughs> Yeah, just right. just to just to say, but yeah, I uh, I agree with you on all those counts. And then, and so did did you find uh did you did, did you expect more violence in this film? Because I guess I did coming from Yojimbo. I mean, I expected some some severed limbs and 
maybe some blood, you know. Uh, now they made up for it at the end for sure. <sighs> yes, they did. But I mean, they, they were chopping people. You know, I mean, that's the thing with swords, right? He's like you're chopping people. Like, is he killing these guys? Like, I thought when you know four of the guys come to follow Sanjiro when he goes to sell his services to the other side to get information. Um, I thought, oh, they just kill those guys. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, I guess they just knock their sword out of their hand or something. You know what I'm talking about? Well, the fir- okay, so um, the first sword fight. Right? He kills Like, Sanjiro dudes. doesn't unsheath his sword at all. Right? So, like, when he's in in there and the guys are hiding... Right. His, his sword is still in its sheath, and he's just beating them over the head with Even it. Even when he goes outside? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, th- I knew inside he was. I thought he went unsheathed outside, but... Yeah, no, okay. he, he kept it sheathed the whole time, like, inside and outside all during right. that first battle. That, that makes more sense, then, because I'm like, man, he just killed, like, ten other guys, and they're just going to leave him alone? <laughs> <laughs> but okay, I get, yeah, I got you. No, yeah. and that's an interesting thing about him too. Like he's confident enough as a character that he doesn't have to kill these people because, mm-hmm. you know, he he's he's maintaining the facade that he has no problem with these people. Mm-hmm. It's he just wants to nap, <laughs> and it's like leave me alone. He's like, I right? just so got up and I'm angry. <laughs> right. So, but he's also showing his dominance over them, and that he doesn't even have to kill them in order to beat them. And I love what the uh, Harabe, I, I think the other guy's name is his counterpart Ronin on the other side. He's like, all right, let's leave. It would take too long to kill this guy anyway. <laughs> so yeah. because he, because yeah, they had like a hundred people there, you know. And yeah. I'm like, what's going to happen here? So again, he has to use his wits. And uh, uh, but yeah, but you know, when they go, when when the when the there's like a schism in the uh, in the nine other um, samurai, I guess. Uh, were they sam? They were samurai, <laughs> right? Uh, no, they weren't samurai. They're just. They're just normal guys with swords. I mean, like I think so. <laughs> I think they were just normal. I don't know. They might have been. I don't know what the terminology is, but with those when when you have the nine, all right. And they were samurai guys. Samurai guys. Yeah, they're Padawan learners, and you know, so, like four of them go to to follow Sanjiro because they didn't trust him. You know, but then the guards get to jump on those guys, and I'm like, oh, they just they, they kill them all. But no, I guess they just knocked him out as well, like you're saying. So I guess there was less yeah, like- there was less death than I thought in this movie. Yeah, the second sword fight with the guards guarding the wife and daughter is very quick. It's not a drawn-out one, uh, but I think that they were killed there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there was another time when he was inside, and then a bunch of people got killed. Right, he killed all and those guys, he, they, yeah. I thought he, so then he tied he, himself up. He takes out the sword, and he starts chopping up their ropes, and they're like, what are you doing? He's like, isn't it obvious? I'm letting them go. <laughs> and then he kills everybody. And, then he, and, and I like how he was telling the guys, look, do not pull your swords out. Like a friendly sword is more dangerous than an enemy's or something like that. Yes. Which I, I botched the saying there, but it, friendly fire is basically what he's trying to avoid because he knows these guys are are, are not, have nothing on him. Uh, but he pulled the same trick as he did in the first movie where he's like, hey, I'm going to go help these guys. And then he kills them all and he runs back. He's like, oh my God, somebody killed all these guys. <laughs> you know? yes. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he's very, it's very consistent. <laughs> Even though it's a very different story, he's a very consistent character. And he just, yes. again, like we talked about last time, he's so nonchalantly cool. You know, yeah. uh, like, like, well, I think, and uh, like, he's just always around to you. Like, you forget sometimes he's in the scene, like in the scene where they get the note through the river and the, and the nephew's like, oh, he's over there. We got to save him. And he opens the door, but it's like a medium shot. And then the door closes in his face and you're like, what happened there? And then you cut to the white shot and it's Sanjiro sitting there and he closed the door. He's like, what is your guy's problem? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then they finally, yes. they finally learn their lesson near the end. It's funny. Cause you're like, oh, are they going to, because they've been disobeying him the whole time. 
you know. Yep. And then at the end, like he can't signal them, and they're like, "What? What if he's in trouble and he can't signal us?" And they're about to go, and and the guy from uh, the guy from Godzilla, <laughs> I'll describe him, Doctor Sarazawa. He's like, uh, "Wait, wait, 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 wait." We've been botching his plans every single time we disobey. We need to wait for a signal. And that's the one time. Which is great writing. <laughs> yeah. Which is wonderful writing. And but... it makes sense because it's like, okay, we, we screwed up like three times now. we got to wait and see what happens. Yeah. Although it would have been helpful for them to go. That time. So anyway, it's uh, just a, it's a very tight script. And, you know, it's, it's very simple to, even though we, we don't understand the like feudal Japanese society going on here, it's very straight, streamlined enough for us to understand without a bunch of exposition. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, I think it was like, I really can't think of, you know, it's not like a perfect movie or anything. Cause what is, but like, I really can't think of anything that really stuck out to me as like, Oh, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that I thought that was really well done uh, was a choice by Kurosawa is the scene where the planikins, like the multiple planikins are going off. Mm. Right. So the planikins are the things where they, they sit in them and they carry them from one place to the other instead of walking. And they don't know which one has the guy that they're looking for. And so they're talking back and forth, but all you can see is Sanjuro trying to nap and getting agitated that he can't continue to nap. Hmm. Right? They don't see these things going from place to place. They just say, oh, it just went here. Oh, this one just went there. So I thought that was a really interesting choice uh, for Kurosawa to do. It's a nice montage without having to show like, all these different locations and stuff, definitely. Yeah. So. And then another scene that made me laugh again. I can't remember what it was for because uh, it's been a bit since I watched it. But the che- the scene where they're cheering, I can't remember why they were cheering. Oh, uh, it's when uh, is it when they get the signal through the through the uh, through the through the pond? I think is that it. And yeah. then they start cheering, and then they're like, "Shh, yeah, yeah." Shh, and they gotta be quiet, well, and then they start cheering like really quietly, and then, and the then guy... they realize that. <laughs> the guy from the closet is cheering with them and then he just like goes back in the closet. He slowly goes back in the closet. It's genius. No, I agree. And I don't know, like it's, all these things are very refreshing. Maybe that's why we rate this film so highly as we'll get to here. But because like I, you know, it's a very, it's simple, but it's also sophisticated. And I I guess I didn't expect that from, you know, again, my 21st century Western sensibilities. I'm like, this is a, 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 you know, a 60 year old movie from Japan. And it's like on point across the board. Like it's got the comedy, it's got the smart writing, you know, little, you don't think about little character moments like that in in films that are 60 years old, you know? Yeah. And well, let me ask you, let me ask you this question going into this now. So now that we've done these, Mm -hmm. what were you expecting going into these two movies? Because you'd never seen them and I'd seen them like a bunch, right? So I don't know. I'd seen, you know, some Bruce Lee movies and stuff like that. Maybe I was expecting something more like that, you know, just very one dimensional. You know, here comes, you know, the hero is going to, like, wipe out 50 guys. And there might be some cool kung fu in it, right? Uh, but not much depth at all. Like, one-dimensional characters. And, like, Sanjuro is a very sophisticated character. And he has some very memorable supporting characters around him, you know. And, uh, yeah, and it was just it was more about cleverness than, you know, showing off stuff you know, skills with a sword or something. So I guess that's that's maybe what I was... Ex- I didn't know what to expect, but I kind of, I guess I just based it off what I had known from, you know, kung fu movies. Because mm-hmm. you'd asked me before, like, uh, and I didn't answer the question here because we got, we got sidetracked, but you'd asked me about the violence and whether or not I was yeah. expecting more violence. Yeah. And I guess I can't really remember because it's been so long since I saw these for the first time, and I've seen them several times. So I just know the movies for what they are now. You know, and I know that the big violence scene in in the both of them is really at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. 
and it's really just one, right? Right. It's really just one really violent scene. Well, so. this one, I mean, uh, I, I wasn't, I didn't know what I was expecting. I was like, oh, they're gonna, oh, cool, they're gonna have an awesome sword fight at the end. <laughs> I guess that's what I was thinking. Showdown, Star Wars style, right? It's all gonna come back to Star Wars for me in this conversation. But they're like, all right, I don't want to do this. The other guy's like, well, I want to. Like, all right, well, here yeah. we go. It's like three, two. Well, they don't count anything. They, the standoff alone is very tense because nobody pulls their sword out for like a, an uncomfortably long amount of time. Yeah, yeah. And then they draw, and then, you know, Sanjiro just cuts the guy's, you know, major artery in two seconds, and he explodes in blood and just falls over, and then didn't have a chance. And I don't know, there's, yeah. so, there's something to be said for that. Like, if, you, if you're going to set up, if you're going to tease some awesome sword fight from two very capable samurai. And then not give it to us. You need to give us a good excuse not to. And I was like, well, okay. You, you, you know, good. I was not expecting this guy to explode in blood and fall to his death. I mean, it, it's a very impressive, like like you were saying, in the Kill Bill, right? The whole, like, you know, five touch of death and then dead. Boom. Uh, yeah. That was that was a, a, a powerful way to end it, right? And then Sandro's mad still at the end because the guy's like, oh, man, awesome. And he's like, no, this isn't awesome. This guy was just like yes. me and I had to kill him. And I hate that. So and he so so that's some character growth too, because the remember the wife had been yeah. telling him you shouldn't be doing that, and at the end he's like, you know the old woman was right, and he keeps calling her the old lady, and they tell him not to do that, but he does it anyway. <laughs> so yeah. and then he storms off. He's like, leave me alone, or I might kill you too. And he's like, all right, see you later. <laughs> so it's just, <laughs> but you know maybe that's why there's no more movies, Brandon, because he learned his lesson from this film. Right now, okay, so now reaching forward, right? Oh, I guess reaching back. Okay, because Seven Samurai was before this, right? But you've seen The Magnificent Seven, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so like that battle makes me think of a battle that's in Seven Samurai and which is also recreated in The Magnificent Seven. So in Seven Samurai, we have an instance where a guy's like, they do the same thing where they're like, I'm kind of spoiling something from Seven Samurai, but they're like, the, the, two people want to fight. The one guy says he's better. So they do it with their swords sheathed. And they do the full battle, and they're like, well, it looks like it was a tie. And the one guy who was the better sort of says, no, I won. <laughs> right? And he says, well, fine, then let's do it for real, because I don't believe you. And they do it, and the other guy dies. Right? So he was right in that he did win. <laughs> but it's also... So that character in Magnificent Seven is... Uh, I think it's Steve McQueen or whoever who can throw <laughs> the knife. <laughs> Right, and he throws the knife, and he's and the other guy had the gun, and they do the test battle, and he says, "Oh, I guess it was a tie," and the guy that throws the knife says, "No, I won. I can't believe you didn't see that." And then they do it again, and he kills him with the knife, <laughs> right? And he's like, "He's like, I don't want to do this because it's a waste. Of, it's a waste of life." Right. But they do it anyway. So it reminded me of that battle sequence from Seven Samurai. So yeah, and I like there's a theme here of like you know Sanjiro, he has to kill all these guys. He's like all this bloodshed is because of you guys. Like, he didn't want to kill all these guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, he had to do it. So. It's just an interesting character, you know, and and at one point the main guy of the nine other samurai, the one that's always like speaking up against him, he's like, "You never know what he's gonna do. He's a monster," <laughs> and you know, I don't. He's not a monster, obviously, but it's true. You never quite know what he's gonna do. Uh, I mean, you know, he's gonna do the right thing. You just don't know how he's gonna go about it. So that's why he's just he's an interesting character to watch. And all credit to Tashino Mifune because, like, to to create really, and obviously the Clint Eastwood persona was based off this but that's exactly what he is you know i mean it's, it's amazing how much of an analog that is to this and the only other i mean kind of 
vibe I get from him is like Hugh Jackman as Wolverine or something like that. Uh, so that's the mm-hmm. vibe I get, and just a just a delightful character. And these are a couple of delightful films. So good. I'm glad you enjoyed them. Should we go to Buddy Tom's thoughts now? Yes. Yeah, so so our friend Tom Elliott from the Twilight Zone podcast has sent us his thoughts from across the pond. Hey, fellas, it's Tom, and thank you for giving me a chance to put my two cents in on San Gioro. What an interesting kind of situation we find ourselves in. Obviously, Toho Studios were a very sequel-happy studio because they made about a million Godzilla films, but then we have Kurosawa, who we, we look at as one of the landmark directors and you know, often those kind of people aren't particularly sequel inclined, I suppose. People like your Martin Scorsese's, you know, the people who are considered the masters, they're not really the sequel people. But here we have this situation, and I think you mentioned last time, Zach, that this wasn't actually a Sanjuro film. It was supposed to be just a film, and they melded the two pieces together. So, I guess I'll start with the things that I feel are perhaps inferior to last time round or didn't work as well, and then I'll go on to the good things. I think story-wise we have here a situation where we come in, or Sanjuro comes in to a situation, and the beginning of it has already happened. So it's I found it quite difficult to get invested in that, I didn't find the story as compelling as Sanjuro wandering into this town, seeing this situation with these two warring factions and deciding that he's going to try and profit from this and in the end it, it turns out a particular way. But this time round, everything's already kind of in place and it's just Sanjuro taking one of the sides and really going with it which is fine in and of itself because it's good I mean last time round we spoke about how portable this is he could go in and there could be a different situation in any town and it's different enough I suppose we've still got you know opposing factions and so on but it's different enough so I'll give it that but the core thing the you know the gentleman who got kidnapped I just didn't find it as compelling now, we also spoke about how um, Yojimbo was Kurosawa uh, having a bit of a twist on the Western, and it gave way to some really great imagery, the use of the town, the way everything was framed, and I found that to be a bit lacking here. Now, that might have been an artistic choice. He might have just been saying, well, that was my take on the Western, but this time I'm just going, you know, with a regular samurai movie. I don't know. But... It felt a lot more enclosed, you know, a lot more scenes were inside, a lot of talking inside, and when it did go outside, it didn't seem to have that breadth, that kind of epic feel to it, like Yojimbo did. Not that it looked bad, it looked it looked just fine, but it didn't quite look as good for me. So those were the things that maybe weren't quite as good this time round. What was as good this time round, I'll go with the positives now, is that Mifune is just as good, if not more value this time round, than he was last time round. I don't think the overall story was as compelling, 
But what you need to have in a film like this is a compelling character at the center of it. Someone you can't take your eyes off, and that is Mifune playing Sanjuro. I commented last time about how he always looked like he woke up after a rough night on the sake, and I think it seems to be the case even more so here. His introduction is him waking up in this building, just he comes out and he's scratching himself, and I think part of your trivia, Zach, was that he was basing this portrayal on, on a dog, and I think you can really see that here. You know, he's scratching himself, he's... when conversations are going on he might be lying down in the corner or or lying on something and he just always looks so messed up compared to everyone else who are immaculate and it's this portrayal that I think keeps a pretty run-of-the-mill story on track and keeps us interested because the men surrounding them aren't particularly that interesting um the chap who is like the main opposition he was kind of interesting, but I think last time round he had a bit more presence to and a, and a bit more charisma. He he was good though, so it really is Mifune's show, and for that reason, that reason alone, I w- I would watch the film again. And there are some interesting wrinkles to his character. Like the only person who really gets under his skin is the woman, the older lady who they rescue, because she tells him some home truths about himself. And that tends to get under the skin, you know, you're like a sheathed sword and and so on. And she's the only one who can really do it. And he starts to look a bit uncomfortable. And the way that translates later on, again, in the last movie, we saw Sanjuro rescuing someone, but also being quite disgusted by them, that they actually needed rescuing, that he wasn't standing up for himself and needed Sanjuro's help. And this time I think we he has a bunch of guys working with him who make silly decisions sometimes, make dangerous decisions sometimes, and he has a real distaste for that. And he's always sort of, you know, barking at them for what they've done. And in the end, when he has the final showdown with, um, I forget the character's name, he has more respect for him than any of the guys who he's been working to protect through the whole movie. And it's because he sees a certain kinship with him. He sees a certain reflection of himself there. And like the lady said, he was a sheathed sword too. So, you know, a lot to like in a film that I don't think was quite as good as Yojimbo. Um, I can't remember what we... We're marking them out of last time, but five of whatever it was, I will give this one three. It's a good, solid, enjoyable movie, but it is carried, I think, by Mifune as Sanjuro, whereas the last one had a really interesting setup too. So is this franchise fatigued? You know, I think it's it's kind of a shame that there's only these two. I mean, I've read on the Wikipedia that there are films later on where He's either playing a character by the same name, but they're not necessarily the same character, or he's playing someone who acts very much like Sanjuro. So you could say that's Sanjuro and he's gone to a different place and he's just using a different name. When I ask myself, is it fatigued? I really want to see this character again, which is a shame because we never will now. So 
if that's the case, then I don't think it is because he is, you know, he is like James Bond or something. The thing is, a Bond movie comes out, if you don't like it, then you might like the next one. And if you go through all 20 plus Bond movies that there are, it's ups and downs, it's ups and downs. So I don't think it's fatigued as such, even though I don't think this film was as good. They could have made another movie and really struck gold with it again. So I think, so I don't think it was fatigued. And it's a shame that we maybe didn't get like one more to round out the trilogy or something. I know there was a remake, but maybe that's a bit too deep down the rabbit hole. But I would like to just seek it out personally and watch it and see how it is. But I think it would really have to be something to top that central performance by. Mifune. Okay, so I'm just going to jump on this horse to head to the Old West, and I will meet you there at noon. Well, thanks, Tom. Those were some pretty hot takes. Yeah, hot sake takes. Something like that. <laughs> anyway, uh, so Brandon, I got to ask you, uh, our money exchange count in this film, did you take note of how many times money was exchanged? I got zero. Well, there was a lot of talk about who was going to get hired where and how much money I want for this. You know, at, like at the end, Sanjiro's trying to negotiate 50 and they're like going to cut, they're going to kill him. He's like, okay, 30. <laughs> and he's like, okay, I'll just tell you. Um, actually, there was one, <laughs> there was one case of money being exchanged. And that's when, uh, after the first battle, where Sanjiro saves all the, the, the nine samurai. And uh, they're like, oh, what can we do to repay you? And he's like, ah, oh, some money would be nice. <laughs> and he gives him like his... Uh, you know, the guy hands over his money pouch. And again, Sanjiro, like, he doesn't just take the whole thing. He kind of goes through it, takes a little bit. He's like, oh, this will do. And he throws the rest oh, back. Yeah, yeah. So we have that one yeah. instance of it. It was not not near as much as last time. So we have one instance of money being exchanged. Okay, And Sanjiro brings us to a grand total of five so far in this franchise. That's a lot. Yeah, for two movies. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's a lot. Excellent, right on. Well, yeah, I like this movie, and I think that uh, we should probably rate it. What do you think? Yeah, so I would give this five out of five dollars because I believe that's our scale. I know, I know, I said swords at first last time, and we're like, well, there's dollars are coming up more, so we're gonna go with dollars. So I would give this five out of five dollars because it's just a across the board, it's a great film. Yeah, like very impressed. I would too. Yeah, I, I would too. I definitely gave this a five out of five. I think both of these movies are five out of fives. So I, I get to kind of cheat a little bit and ask you, you know, because the next movie that we're going to go into is so different. But how would you rank these two? Hmm. Which one did you like better? You know, that's real tough. I already, I already said that I liked Sanjiro better. You know, that that is tough. I, uh, I mean, they're a virtual tie. But I think I like Sanjiro better as well, just because yeah. I like the di- because there's more characters. I like him being like the mentor for these goofy other samurai. Um, yeah, yeah. There's just I don't know that there's it never slows down. I mean the other one didn't really slow down either. But I I do think just across the board I I like this one a little better. Um, yeah. I, I can't quite put my finger on why, but uh, if like like okay you can only rewatch one of these, I'd be like uh Sanjiro. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with this one and. Uh, so, but Brandon, though, is this franchise fatigue? Would you like? To, would you like to have seen a third, you know, Sanjiro fill in the blank plant name movie? Yeah, no, I definitely would love to have seen another one of these. Like I said last time, you know, if Zatoichi the Blind Swordsman could have twenty six films, 
then we should have had 26 Sanjiro films for sure. Like this is a this is a character that is not going to be tired for a long time, and I I can't wait until the next movie in this series. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, there aren't any. <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. I think the character is very malleable for any situation, as this one proved. You know, it doesn't have to be the same thing over and over. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. eventually they might run out of. Sanjiro uses his wits to for to pit two opposing sides against each other or something like that. But yeah. I think he could have kept thirty year old cornflower. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm almost fifty. Well, I think he could have kept wandering the, the Japanese countryside and, you know, putting right what was wrong and things of that nature and then wandered off at the end. Um S- Sanjiro goes to Africa. There we go. Uh San- Sanjiro goes to Africa. San San uh uh, uh y- Yojimbo part eight, Sanjiro in New York. So Yeah. I mean it- if if Sanjiro takes Manhattan, go, that's what it is. Sanjiro takes, takes Manhattan. If if Ernest can go to Africa, then Sanjiro can go to Africa. <laughs> very good, very good. So, uh, so yeah. So Sanjiro saves Christmas. Sanjiro San goes to jail. <laughs> they write themselves, but uh, yes, a, a, a brilliant duology. And and you know, Brandon, what, what, if only the Terminator films had stopped it too. <laughs> You know, <laughs> that's a callback. <laughs> oh boy! So, so there you have it. Uh, five out of five for both of us. We both don't think it's fatigued, and and this franchise will continue, but in a, in a very different form, coming up in our next episodes. Yes, and a different language. <laughs> yes, in Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Right on. Uh, well, at this time, we'd like to thank the wonderful executive producers of the network, Ken Tripp and Tony Robinson. Thank you so much for your support, guys. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much to Zach Tripp, who has created our wonderful theme song uh, that opens up every single episode. And uh, be sure to you know give us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. We'd really appreciate it. That helps us uh, rise in the rankings. And helps people find our show, share our tweets, share our Facebook posts. That helps uh, get the knowledge out there so people can find the show. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can get a pay us a couple bucks, get some episodes early. You know, uh, Zach and I are trying to come up with some fun things for some exclusive content over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash UFP Earth. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at UFP Earth. And you can find us uh, out on email if you want to send us an email. That's uh, contact at ufp.earth. Zach, where can people find you when you're not incorrectly telling people how many stories there are in your house? <laughs> well, you can find me personally on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-C-A-C-H. I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Sold on the Smallville. You can find us over there on Twitter talking about each and every episode of that Young Superman show at Always Smallville with one S. And I'm also a host of Standard Orbit, Trek FM's original series podcast. You can find us over on Twitter, at Trek FM, talking about the old and new adventures of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. So, Brandon, when you aren't ripping up contracts and signing them in blood and sending them down the stream, where can people find you? You can find me here on Franchise Fatigue. Why would I tell you that? You can find me over on Trek FM with a show called The Line, which is all about the Star Trek Picard show that's coming out. And you can also find me over on the Fandom Podcast Network, as well as in our own independent feed with a show called Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast. And that is all that I'm doing now. And I'm okay with that. I like it. I get to sleep more. Anyways. Well, that's all we got for you this time. Until next time, we have got... Is it a fistful of dollars that's the first one?
I honestly don't know, Brad. <laughs> See, this is why this is why you should put numbers in your titles, people. Numbers. <laughs> fistful of dollars won. Yes. So, yeah, I think it's a fistful of dollars that's first, and then it's the few dollars more, and then it's the good, bad, and the ugly. That makes the sense. One, that so. chronology, yeah, that 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 title chronology makes sense. Yes. Yes. Okay. So there we go. So fistful of dollars is what we got coming up for you next. Until then, mushy mushy. Sayonara. This has been a production of MTMR Media Works.